There's very few things that make me as excited as children. But in light of the fact that it is Mother's Day, I don't know, that initial round of applause from moms was pretty much like, ah, maybe you didn't think about it. It's our moms that we were applauding for. Can we show our moms a little bit more love than that? Can we tell our moms? I'm standing. I'm standing. So mom, thank you. Dave's standing. Thank you. All three of the guys that were standing, special bonuses for you. Noted. Mr. Stack family, Mr. Barone family. Bonuses from heaven from you. Excellent. If those mothers would please note that three of us did stand and the rest of us didn't, I would appreciate that. So mom, some credit for that, please. Um, You know what? I'm so blessed. Uh, A lot of stuff going on here at the church, but to try to slow down enough to gather I think we have somewhere between seven, eight, nine families today that are going to be dedicating children. So, I mean, if you have one child dedication, just one, what a blessing, right? I mean, two, three, but for the size church this is and for all the different things that God is doing here, it truly is amazing. So we are just so grateful to be part of that. And so we know there's going to be some kids in here this morning. So on behalf of the kids, just just know for Pastor Jeff, it's music to my ears. So bring on the whaz and the cries and the has and the and the the screams and the hoots and the hollers it's all good so just to kind of give you a little bit of the flow since it is a little different i'm actually going to be up front for the front half of the dedication um i'm going to go through what a child dedication is and what it means to us then i'll conclude with the actual dedication i'm going to call up the families we'll kind of have you stand up here uh, we're going to give them just a moment of quiet time with them, with their own families, and then Eric and I will pray. And then uh, then we will release the kids, and so they will have some time away from us. And then Eric does have a, a very short message afterwards as well. So I want to kind of give you guys a flow of all that. But before we get started with that, I first want to thank you guys for um, staff for helping us develop this very, 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 very select bag of chocolates for you, Okay. <laughs> And the reason why you would not imagine how much time and energy went into a small bag of C's candy, because I will tell you, there was plenty of discussion in choosing the actual Bordeaux that you got. Because when you put four women in the room and say, what kind of Bordeaux should we put in a bag? It's not as simple as my, just put a caramel patty in there, put a peanut cluster and we're done new. There was hours, weeks, even months. I'm just kidding of conversation of the appropriate chocolates for you because you're so special. And so that bag was handmade from you, and the people at Seas said that they've never done that before, but they might do that next year. So it's actually exciting. But you're so wonderful and sweet to us, and we're so grateful. Along with that, we also wanted to stop and um, reach out to technology today and and look at the different things that were out there. And so I kind of made a note of this. Moms come in many different shapes, fashions, and functions. There is the traditional mom, which we call the full nest mom, there's the empty nest mom who we are currently in that stage of life. There's the expectant moms. I met some of you through the expectant mom process. There's the adopting mom. There's the wonderful stepmom. Uh, some of you are also currently, like myself, a grandmom, and that's a wonderful capacity. But you know what? There's also a unique role for moms as teen moms, backup moms, and even troop moms. And I just thought it was so interesting because you know the reality is whether you're parenting your own child or someone else's the role of a mother is something that god has exclusively and wonderfully done in you and no one else can do it because you're a mother 
Sometimes you have to reach out and uh, appreciate the fact that somebody else can say it so much better than you can. And so moms, uh, thank you for all that you do. Now, we have been looking forward to this day for quite some time because the opportunity to stand in front of everyone and, and, and really put in front of everyone and say, hey, look, these are families that want to commit themselves and dedicate themselves to training up children in the Lord is a true blessing. But we know that children don't grow up in a vacuum. And we also know that because of that, the church has a responsibility to play. And it's kind of like assuming that if you just took a bunch of parts together and, and put them in a room that they would come together by their own volition. Uh, nothing comes together of its own. It takes time. It takes team. It takes energy. And we know that you guys are all going to be participating in that. And so we are kind of both the outside force and the spiritual force behind training up our children. And so we're so blessed to do that today. And we understand that it depends largely on the voices that pour into them. And the voices can either be voices that build them up or break them down according to the book of James. And we know that the values that shape their lives, the things that are important to them, the things that they see at home, the things that they see modeled for them um, will ultimately become part of who they are. And so one day when you get a chance to look back on them, you're going to see the fingerprint of both who you are and who they are. And because of that, uh, these formative years are so important. Socialist George Barnett uh, says that the things that we do when it comes to raising our children, the years, the spiritual years of 4 to 14 years old are the most important. And the statistics actually confirm what Barna says. Statistics show that 85% of decisions for faith happen between the ages of 4 and 14 years old. So there's no doubt in my mind that the things that we do right now, the commitments and the time and energy that we take to pour into our children right now are crucial. And that's why Proverbs 22.6 tells us to train up a child in the way that he or she should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. And what that reminds me is my role as a pastor is important, but my role as father is far more significant. Because a church can get another pastor, but a family can't get another father. So we have to see that both our roles as father, as mother, as whatever our participatory role is in that family is crucial and to be valued and highly sought after. Today is more than just a dedication of children, though. It's a dedication of parents. It's ultimately what we would call a commissioning, a commissioning of those families to be men and women of God. In order to trust the Lord to train them up, we must first look at commissioning those parents. In other words, how those parents train up those children will ultimately be how those children are raised. The values and opinions those children have will ultimately be affected by the things they see at home. In Deuteronomy 6 is a great passage that we see. Uh, In this section of the Bible, Moses is getting ready to take the Israelites into the promised land. It was a land that was promised to them, and it was a good and beautiful land, but it was also fought with difficulty and hardship. And because of that, uh, Moses wants to take a moment to point them what we consider true north. He uses God's worth to settle them. Let me read for you Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 12. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them on as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gates. Why? So that you don't forget 
that what the Lord God brings you into this land, the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you a land large, flourishing with cities that you did not build, with houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide, and wells that you did not dig, vineyards, olive groves that you did not plant. Then when you eat and you are satisfied, you will be careful not to forget what the Lord who brought you out of Egypt and out of slavery did. There's two things in there that I want us to catch. Two things. The first and foremost is that it is our responsibility to pass on faith to the next generation, not anyone else's. Our responsibility. So parents, we have to realize it's our responsibility to impress upon them, our children, the things that we want them to understand, that a relationship with God is the most important thing in the world for them. How to love God, how to sing to God, how to worship to God, how to serve God. And these are the things that they're going to watch and learn from us. Secondly, what we need to understand that Moses said, don't just pass religion on to them, but pass all your faith on to them. Did you catch that in verses 5 through 6? Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give you today, that they be on your hearts. You see, before we can actually pass on some faith to our children, we have to incorporate all of that into our own faith. We can't expect to give something to somebody that we ourselves don't actually have our own. So when trying to be a good parent or a good example, keep that in mind. Our kids are watching. I can't expect my kids to treat their uh, friends with love and respect if I don't treat my wife with love and respect. I can't expect my kids to wake up in the morning and read their Bible if they don't see me modeling that for them. And anything else that's significant about my faith, if the kids don't see me modeling that for them, the chances are they're not going to model that for themselves as well. If it's important for us, it should be important for them. And faith needs to be something that's forefront of all those things. So ultimately today, this message isn't just for parents. This message is a challenge for every single person that's involved with raising a child. Raising a child into an adult. Raising a child from a small one to a big one, right? I mean, that's ultimately what the challenge is. It's a challenge filled with difficulties. But it's a challenge filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You are not going into this alone. Part of what we're going to do here in a minute with the parents is remind them that they also have their church behind them. And as you make this opportunity this morning, parents, think about this one thing. All aspects of your faith are important. All aspects. Heart, mind, and soul. That's ultimately what you're committing yourself to this morning, to train up that child with your heart, your mind, and soul. All aspects of that. So on behalf of the church, on behalf of the pastors, on behalf of the elders, on behalf of any parent that's involved with raising a child this morning, I encourage all of you to stand alongside me as we have these parents and family members come up here this morning, and we take a moment to stand before God to dedicate these families and these children to the Lord. Now at this time, I would like to ask the parents and those who are involved with raising Athena and Nicholas to come forward. Rebecca... And Monica, you guys want to come up? For those involved with raising James Jackson, can you guys come forward? For those involved with raising Callan Russell, can you guys come forward? For those involved with raising Violet Ray, can you guys come forward? And you guys just stand here right to left. Can you guys stand here first? And you guys... You can stand right there. That's perfect. Todd, you guys can stand right here. Violet, you guys are up here. And then Summer Tolner. Summer's family, you want to come up? Alini and Russell? 
And then Sandy and O'Brien, if you'd like to bring London up, and you guys can go over here to the left. Standing before you, also any family members from these people that are involved that are going to be coming alongside of them. Some of them have been mentioned. If you guys are going to come up with them, please go ahead and come up. You can surround them right now. Russell and Alini, can you guys come over here so they can see you guys? Perfect. Sandy and O'Brien, can you guys come over here to the left? Yes, if you guys are involved with their support, you guys can just come up here and stand right behind them. It's perfect. We have a stair right behind them. That'd be great. And as you can see, our families vary in traditional styles. And what we love about the Lord is the Lord works in all shapes and sizes. And we get to raise some small ones and some medium ones. We've got some different ages and specs. Yes. I heard Pastor Jeff. Yes. Mangels come up. Michelle. I said James. You just didn't hear me. Yeah, it's good. Right here. Right here. I said James. Oh, James Mangel. Yeah, unfortunately, it's written right. In James Frederick. Yes, my bad. I can't read this. It's very small print. Size, size 9 font. Please, please forgive the pastor. I can only read size 44 font. Anyone want to try to read this? Come up here, please. Bring your spectacles. This is not friendly pastoral reading. Um, I apologize for that. Okay. With this in mind, families, I'm going to read something to you. And parents, if you could just respond with, we do. This is kind of a corporate thing. And then uh, after we're done with this, I'm going to provide with you guys a moment of silence. Parents, do you recognize that these children are more than a gift from God, that they are a priceless responsibility entrusted to you for the care of the creator? If so, please respond, we do. Excellent. Do you commit to strengthening your relationship with God, recognizing that your children are likely to follow in the spiritual example that has been set forth for them? If so, please respond, we do. Excellent. Do you commit yourselves to protect and strengthen your household from recognizing that in so doing you create a stable environment in which this child can grow and mature? If so, please respond, we do. Excellent. You commit to disciple your children, both in the modeling and teaching of them how to pray, worship, listen, and serve God. If so, please respond, we do. You commit yourself to developing relationship with others who will both support and help you in the training up of this child and the nurture and admonition of the Lord. If so, please respond, we do. Excellent. Now, congregation, we also play a role in this. We have an opportunity to support them. That means when you have... Uh, candy sales out front and kids that want to go to camp and you're not hungry and different things going on, we have an opportunity to remind ourselves we're supporting them. So congregation, I ask you, do you commit yourself to hold these families up in prayer, to provide support as needed, and be all all that God has called us as Lighthouse Community Church to be? If so, please respond, we will. Excellent. At this moment, the first thing I would like to do is provide a moment of silence for the families to pray with their children before we pray for them. Please provide them a moment of silence. Church, would you pray with me? Father God in heaven, we stand before you blessed and encouraged beyond belief to be part of a church that has so many families that are making this commitment to dedicate their children, to train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Father, we have been the benefactor of so many different blessings already, and so many people stand before you 
the blessings of parents who have already made commitments to train up their children. So we know, Father, right now the significance of this moment. Father, we pray, we pray the hedge of protection that can only come from you, Father. We thank you for the support that these families have, but we pray, Father, that they would realize there's an extension of support that goes above and beyond that which is seen, uh, a spiritual support, Father, that would be more than sufficient to hold these children up, Father, to be men and women of God, to, to fulfill the purposes that you have for them, Father. And we thank you that Lighthouse has been standing for so many years, 65, 70 years, and we pray that this next generation that stands before you today, Father, can be an encouragement to all who are here today, that your love, that your blessing, that your support, that your word is still sufficient, that your word is still sufficient enough to, to give us great hope that no matter what the world has to say or no matter what the world has to do, Father, that the hope in Jesus Christ is far greater. Thank you for these families. Thank you for the opportunity to come alongside of them. We commit all these families and these wonderful, blessed children to you, Father. We say it all and do it all in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Families, thank you. You may be seated. <laughs> families, we have, uh, we have the, a dedication certificate for each one of you, and we also have a baby's first Bible. So if you'd like to grab one of these parents, I can try to get one of these to you. If you want to just send a parent over here, I'll, I'll get the certificates to you. Here you go. We've got a first Bible for each child. Oh, oh. That's one way to get that's, that's a first Bible high speed. Yeah. All right. There you go. Two. And then I will get the certificates to you guys. If you want to just go ahead and sit down, I'll bring them right to you. All right, you guys got that? Good. Here you guys go, Bible. And I'll bring you the certificate. Everyone got it? Good. All right, at this time, all the children that are in the children's program are dismissed. If you have a child that's uh, waiting for the children's program, they are dismissed. And Pastor Eric, it is all yours. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? I mean, there's something really special about, uh, I think I've been here seven years now, and so the fun part for me is having watched a few of those couples meet, begin to date, um, make that covenant with one another to, to be faithful to one another as husband and wife, and now all of a sudden they find themselves thrust into this brand new adventure called being a parent, and it's overwhelming and it's exciting. Um, and I'm just, and then to see, you may not be aware of some of the stories up here. We had several families of people who are raising children that were not born from their own flesh and blood, and yet God has called them to shepherd and mold them in. Uh, into and unfold the young man or young woman that he's created those children to be. And there's some unbelievably beautiful stories of what God is doing up here. And so I am just honored to be a part of their family and to welcome these children into our family. Uh, as I was preparing for this time, because we have dedicated the parents, really, this was both a, a prayer for and dedication of these children, but just as much so it was a dedication of these families to raising these children uh, in the Lord, and to helping them begin their steps as uh, followers of Jesus Christ. And as I am now going to turn a corner and focus on us that call this church home, 
Maybe you don't call this church home, you're just visiting. This is still for you as a reminder that we have responsibility. And I, <laughs> this may sound strange because this is going to be a little bit out of left field, but it made me think of a play by Arthur Miller. And I'm not talking about Death of a Salesman that all of you studied when you were in high school. Today reminds me of a play called All My Sons. And for those of you who, who don't like to read um, plays, I'll just, I'll just share the brief synopsis of it. There's a man who uh, made a choice during World War II to sell faulty airplane parts to uh, the military because he knew that if he did not sell those parts, his, his company would go bankrupt, and ultimately he would have nothing to give his children as an inheritance. And so in a moment of, what do I do, he kind of covered up the, the, the issues with it and sold them. And because of his decision, some young servicemen lost their lives. And he justified his decision with this. If I hadn't done it, if I hadn't covered up the mistake, then I wouldn't have had anything to give my sons. But by the end of the play, he comes to the sobering realization that they were all his sons, including the servicemen that had lost his life. He had a responsibility to them as well. Now, this is why this, this play really stands out to me. Because when it comes to the way that I approach raising children, when it comes to me going, what is my circle of responsibility? I have this tendency to look at my two boys, Ethan and Grayson, and draw the circle around my nuclear family and say, this is the extent of my responsibility. And so when I read something like Deuteronomy 6 that we just read, a passage in which Moses is saying, you have a responsibility not only to cultivate your own relationship with God, and love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and Jesus would add in your strength with everything that you are, and you have a responsibility to pass your faith onto your children so that they can pass it on to their children. I have this tendency to read that as simply speaking to my two boys. That's my responsibility. That's the extent of my responsibility. And that reading would misunderstand what Moses is saying because I am reading it through a 21st century North American lens. And our cultural lens is very influenced by how individualistic we are as a culture. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, you've heard us talk about how we have these cultural lenses. And when it comes to reading scripture, we need to read it according to its cultural context before we try to bring it into our own. Last week, we talked about how, though we also have our own cultural lens that we read things through, that can cause us to misunderstand. As a culture in America... We are very individualistic. In fact, I was reading one sociologist this week that wrote that North America, uh, especially the United States of America, is the single most individualistic country in the world, followed closely by Australia, Great Britain, and Canada. And what he means by that is that when we think of ourselves, we think of ourselves as individuals, as self-made men and women, that we want our identity to be formed not by the family we came from or the, the area we came from or even the people group that we belong to. Our identity, in our minds, is shaped and formed by the choices that we uniquely make, the, the accomplishments that we have done, or the things that we are going to do. And when it comes to our family, 
how we would define that term is, again, very, very influenced by our individualism. When we think of family, we think of a nuclear family. Mom, dad, kids. Or in some cases, mom, kids. Or in some cases, dad and kids. Or in some cases, grandma, grandpa raising their children's children. And yet, when we read Scripture, it was written into a radically different cultural context, wasn't it? Because for Moses and for the people of God in Israel and, and throughout the ancient Middle East, it is a much more communal kind of atmosphere. They would not think of themselves as individuals. They, they identified themselves as part of a people group and a tribe. And the decisions they made impacted not just themselves, but their tribe as a whole. And the decisions that the tribe made shaped who they were as a people and, and influenced them. And so when we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that you are to pass your faith onto your children, we read that as whatever kids are under our care that are under our roof. And for some of us, we go, that's not speaking to me at all because I don't have any kids under my roof. For others of us, we think, well, I had that opportunity, and quite honestly, I'm kicking myself today because I wish I'd done a better job of being more intentional, of sharing my faith. I spent more time making sure that the kids got to sporting events and things like that on the weekends than I did um, instilling a sense of making God first in our lives. Some of you are just thinking, man, I spent so much time at work that I totally missed those wonderful years between 4 and 14 that Pastor Jeff was talking about. I was so preoccupied with providing for them that I forgot that the number one thing that I could provide for them was my presence. And so today might be difficult for some of us. And for some of you, you might be going, man, I, I, I don't know why I even showed up today because this today is a reminder that this is not my story. And I wish that it was, and I dreamt that it would be, but this isn't the way that my life has gone. And so honestly, can we just move on? But the reminder of Deuteronomy chapter 6, when we read it through the cultural context of a communal society, is that we all have a responsibility to raise the next generation because they're all our sons and our daughters. And even if you don't have a child living under your roof, that is dependent upon you for food, for clothing, and for a, a, the worldview that they begin to understand their place in the world by, you still have a part to play. We, we often throw around this term, um, it, it takes a village to raise a child, right? Or we should say it takes a village to raise an adult. Every child is already a child. But it takes a village to actually raise a healthy you know, mentally stable adult. And that is a term that is taken from a, a communal society. And we adopt it, and we throw it around. But do we really live by it? Because church is also a concept that's taken from a communal society. A church that says, we are family even though we may not have been born from the same parents, although we may not necessarily grow from the same family tree. Have you, this is a total aside. It wasn't in my notes, but this is just really interesting to me. You know that term, blood is thicker than water? 
I've always thought that that term meant that blood relationships is actually more binding and tight than water, which I don't know. I always thought it was like sweat or something, you know, like the people you sweat next to. No, your family's closer. This is, that's actually the opposite of what that term means. Water is referring to water birth, your family of origin. Blood is reference to Jesus' blood on the cross. And the, what it's saying is the unity that we have as the family of Christ is actually thicker and more powerful than even our family of origins and the family we were born into. Because of Jesus' willingness to die on the cross, we are invited into, adopted into a family that transcends our culture, transcends borders, transcends cultures, transcends generations and centuries. So when we read Scripture and God is calling out His people to represent Him by passing their faith onto another, another generation, although we may not be Jewish in descent, other than you, Frank, and I know you're here and I appreciate that, although you may not be of Je- Jewish descent, you are a son and a daughter of God created in His image. You are part of this family and you are part of this mandate to pass your faith on. As I was thinking about this, I realized that I am the product of just that sort of a community. Uh, I grew up in a church down the street here, and I have been shaped by the relationships I've had. I have brothers and sisters that are not blood-related, that are not, um, were not born from my mom and dad. And yet I considered them siblings because we grew up in church together. We did youth group together. We had adventures together. We went down and built really bad homes in Mexico that I'm surprised even stood. One of which did not stand. We had one girl kind of go and lean against one of the walls we just put up and the thing fell over. We're like, we should probably have professionals do this. We've had adventures together. We have cried together. We um, have shared our hopes and our dreams and our doubts with one another. And so to this day, I have a whole lot of brothers and sisters that I get to do life with that, although I don't get to see them a lot because we're scattered all over the state and all over the country, they're still family. I also have men and women that have left indelible fingerprints. Now, my mom and dad who are here today have left the largest, most, uh, the, the largest impression on me. They have shaped me more than anybody else. And parents, we do not want to downplay the fact that you are the spiritual leaders of your home. And that is a very heavy responsibility. But you're not the only ones who are responsible to help shape and raise your children spiritually. And I am the product of not just my parents' intentionality, I'm the product of many, many men and women who volunteered to come alongside of me. People like Dave and Linnell Brooks, Keith and Bonnie Brigman, Glenn and Barbie Rouse. People who volunteered in my youth group and in my uh, children's ministry growing up who helped share with me their love for God's word helped me understand how this actually was relevant to my life when I'm just a kid going, why don't girls look at me? Or when I was like, oh gosh, girls have cooties, why won't they leave me alone? There was never actually a problem for them leaving me alone. (laughs) Or when I would come home and just kind of cry on my mom's shoulder 
And I love the fact that she had other women like Nancy Lewis, who will sit up here with Derek and their son, um, would, was a mentor to my mom. I have benefited by the Lewis's investment in my family. And I have benefited by the family of God that came around my parents as they were shaping me. And they accepted me and loved me just where I was at, which is great, because quite honestly, I was an impulsive punk growing up. And they loved me in spite of that. They gave me grace. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm also grateful for people like Don Springer. I call him Papa Don, as as do most of the young guys in our youth group growing up, because Don was this retired firefighter who wasn't on staff at our church. He was a volunteer. And he would show up week after week to our, our Tuesday night youth group, And then on Friday mornings, he made himself available. He would go over to Omelette Parlor. May God rest her soul, I miss her. Um, He would go over to Omelette Parlor every week on Fridays. And at like 6.30 in the morning when they opened, he was sitting there at the booth. And all of a sudden, you would have these high school guys and college guys show up and sit down at a booth with a guy who, you know, gray-haired. And we're just sitting there because we want to be there with him. We weren't coming with an expectation. We were more expectant, like, I don't want to miss whatever the conversation is going to be. And he never preached at us. He never pulled out his Bible and beat us over the head with it. Instead, he listened to us. And allowed us to process what was going on in our mind. And he, he made himself available. And yes, did he preach to us? Yes, through his actions. And through the ways he loved us. And through a, just a thought that he would drop in the midst of it. Like a question that would kind of stop us all in our tracks and go, oh yeah, we are being a little bit selfish. Or we are being a little bit um, short-sighted here. But he was never preachy. He just loved us and accepted us right where we were, but trusted that we were in a process of growing into something more. And I am the product of a very big, very diverse, loving family of God. And that's precisely what I was aching for when I began to raise Ethan and then when Grayson was born, we wanted to find a community that could love our children the way that I had been loved, the way that Kathy had been loved, the way that many of you have been loved. And we found that here at Lighthouse. I'm grateful for it because this is not a place where a bunch of individuals come simply to focus on cultivating our own personal relationship with God. This is a community where we're a family that transcends generations. Some of my very favorite people are twice as old as me. You have just as much energy. You have way more experience. And I just love getting to be with you. I love getting to do life with you. I love getting to lean on you when I'm processing through things and I'm not quite sure where to go. I love the ways that you affirm and encourage. I love the ways you love my boys. And I love the way you love my girls because I have lots of children in this church. And we all do. And regardless of whether or not you have a child in your home, what I hope you hear in this is that they're all our children. And we have a responsibility to raise them up. We have a responsibility to pass our faith onto them so that 20, 30 years from now, they, in turn, will hunger for a community that can surround them, whether it's this one or another one somewhere else. And they will help come alongside other people to pass their faith on to the next generation. Just like it was with the people of Israel. Because the truth of the matter is we're pretty forgetful. 
It's easy to forget God's faithfulness. And so we need a community of people around us to remind us, hey, remember you've been here, or I've been here, and this too shall pass. And so as a church, let me just briefly say to you parents in here, you have a wonderful, heavy responsibility that God has entrusted to you in raising these young ones. And we're grateful for your willingness to step into it. But know that you are not doing it alone. And we as a church, Jeff, myself, the rest of the staff, the elders, the volunteers who are loving on our kids across the street, we have committed ourselves to walking with you and supporting you in this process of unfolding your little boys and little girls into the men and women that God has created them to be uniquely. We do this through a couple of different things. First off, we recognize that it's not just our relationship with God that's important, but also cultivating theirs. And so we don't have child care across the street while we come over here and spend some time worshiping God. We have children's ministry. And there are volunteers who are loving on our children and having similar conversations with them that we are having over here. So that they are growing in their faith as well. Secondly, We recognize that far more is caught than taught, which is why we have chosen to have our kindergartners on up in the service with us during worship. Because we want them to be able to see you worshiping. Worship alongside not only their mom and dad, but the rest of their extended church family. So that they can learn. And and so oftentimes I'll find myself with Grayson and Vivian, who neither of whom can read yet. I'll get down and I'll, I'll be telling them the words that we're about to sing so that they can participate and not just kind of watch as everybody else is, is worshiping. There's also the reason why we have chosen to have our junior hires and our high schoolers in the service on Sunday rather than having them go across the street with Jimmy and Heather and spending their own time over there. Because first off, Junior hires and high schoolers, we believe that you are old enough and you're mature enough to be able to participate in these, these more adult conversations. But secondly, we recognize that at this age, your tendency when your parents say, how was church? Fine. You're getting one syllable. And so when you say, what did you guys talk about? God. <laughs> or you might double down and go, Jesus, right? But the truth is, we wanted to make sure that you and your f- parents and your family would be able to process what you've been hearing. And so when you've heard the same message, now, as you're on your way home, as you're walking along the road, as you go to lunch, as you sit down around the dinner table that night, hey, I'm talking as a parent. Man, this is what really resonated for me today. When Pastor Jeff was saying this, this really stood out for me. What about you? What did you hear? Because you've heard the same conversation, now you can begin to both be vulnerable as a parent but also begin to call your children out a little bit. And that, by the way, is why we have those questions at the bottom of the bulletin every week, the homeward questions. That is to spur on greater conversation, whether it's as a family or as a life group. Because we don't want this to be the only time that you are engaging in these conversations. And and more than anything, we want to support you families as the spiritual leaders of your home, to be able to shape and direct your children. And part of that is by being vulnerable and honest. And sometimes that goes, man, I didn't follow half of what Pastor Eric said. I was, what did you get? And sometimes your kids will like have heard something different. You're like, oh, wow, thank you. That was really, really helpful. 
Um, so that is the heart of what we are as a church. And to those of you right now in this room who do not have children of your own, perhaps your kids are grown and they've moved away, and now you have that empty nest like Pastor Jeff was talking about. Or perhaps you just don't have any children of your own. Maybe you're not married. Maybe you have chosen not to have children. Maybe you tried and were not able to have children. Maybe you're not old enough and it's, not, it's appropriate not to have children. <laughs> you can stay there for as long as God, you know. <laughs> and maybe it's something that God will have in your future. But I want you to know that you do have children. You have a whole gaggle of them. And we, as the people of God, as this family, have a responsibility to pass our faith on to them. So what does that look like? Well, for one, it looks like on Sundays, taking this time seriously, particularly our worship time. Some of you are in the habit of having a nice conversation out front, grabbing a donut, getting some coffee, and when the, the, the worship is over, then you make your way in, as if that's the beginning of service. And the truth is, you've already missed a time of preparing our hearts to meet with God. And you've missed an opportunity to model for these young ones what it looks like to be fully engaged in worshiping God. So I would ask you as our church family to make being here at 10 a.m. and engaging in worship part of your ministry to our church. Part of bringing who you are to bear on what God is inviting us to be. Secondly, it may look like investing yourself into pouring into some of these kids. Michelle has a wonderful ministry. I love the way that she shepherds that time, but the truth is she can't care for all of those kids and train them up in the way they should go. She needs help, and so it is volunteer-led over there across the street and loving on our kids. And if you are willing, I would suggest that the single most important investment you can make into this church community would be to give up one Sunday a month Not to be on this side of the street, but to be on that side of the street loving on those kids. And I will tell you this, you will get more out of that weekend than you would over here. Because as somebody who teaches on a regular basis, I have to get this stuff way more in order to be able to pass it on. And in the same way, if you really want to get whatever it is that you're going to be sharing that week, by the way, Michelle gives it all to you. It's not like you have to come up with it yourself or write it all. But if you're going to pass it on, it means that you actually have to get it for yourself. And God blesses. I I have seen the way that God uses those children to help shape and encourage and kind of spiritually ignite the men and women who volunteer. So if you have not said, hey, I'm in, I would ask you to prayerfully consider doing that. It may look like helping Jimmy and Heather um, with coming alongside of them and loving on our junior hires and our high schoolers on Wednesday nights. Or it may simply look like praying for the families that are raising their kids. It may look like coming alongside of them, getting down on your knee and looking these children in their eye and saying, hey, I love you. I'm so grateful that you're part of our church. Can I have a hug? Or, you know, if the parents are giving you like stink eye, like, hey, stay away from my kid, maybe not giving them a hug. High five, knuckles also works. Um, But all that to say, loving these children as part of your family, loving these parents as part of their support structure and part of their family, coming alongside them in holding them up and praying for them. 
And in fact, that's what I would like to, uh, as I invite the worship team to come forward, that's how I want to end our time this morning, is doing just that. Praying for the families in our church. So if you currently have a child in your home that you are responsible for, I don't care if you are their blood parents, if you are caring for a child right now, would you please stand up? And for those of us who are seated, you're not off the hook. They need, we need your support. So if you are seated, I would ask you to stand up and move towards somebody who's standing right now and lay your hand on them. And we are going to take a couple of minutes to pray for them, asking God to fill them with energy and patience and discernment in this process of raising their children. Let's go ahead and do that right now. So grateful for the ways that uh, you unite very different people into a family and say, you're my people, you're my children, and I love you more than you could ever possibly fathom. And God, it is humbling the responsibility you've entrusted to us to raise up the next generation, a generation that will have at some point the responsibility of shaping the decisions for our country, shaping the decisions for our world, representing you to a hurting world, but also to raise the next generation, our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. So, Father God, I thank you for the children you've entrusted to our church family. And I thank you that in light of the cross, in light of the fact that we are a family united Jesus, by your blood, that they are all our children and that we have both a right and a responsibility to invest in them. We pray, Father, that you would give us wisdom and discernment. I pray for those who, with these young ones, are not getting much sleep right now. I pray for rest. Father, for those who are feeling pretty overwhelmed because their kids are not making the decisions that they would make for them. I pray that you would give them a a peace that transcends the circumstances and discernment to know how to come alongside their children and shape the trajectory of their lives, recognizing that at the end of the day, we have to relinquish them back into your hands and trust that you are also working. And I pray, Father, that you would surround these families with others who will love on and pour in and invest in their children in ways that a parent simply can't because we're a parent. What do we know? God, would you glorify yourself through this little church, through our family? And I pray, Father, for those who are trying to raise their children or trying to stumble through life without a sense of family. Would you give us the eyes to recognize them and give us opportunity, prompting to move towards them and invite them to be part of your great, big, messy, wonderful family. We look forward, Father, to seeing what you want to do in and through our children and in and through our family. Jesus, in your holy name, amen. Let's worship together.